Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I'm so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Charlie Gilkey. Charlie is a best-selling author, speaker, blogger, podcaster, and business strategist. His website, Productive Flourishing, has been visited by nearly 3 million people, and his tools, worksheets, and planners have been downloaded over a million times. He's taught thousands of people how to go from idea to done using simple but powerful approaches that tap into their strengths and genius. So welcome to the podcast, Charlie. I'm so delighted you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to jam. <laughs> That's great. So what is it that led you into this whole field of productivity? You've, you've got a, a focus that really goes beyond business strategy. It's really, I, I know it encompasses so many things, but how did you, how did you come down this road? Well, I started the road because the problem that I teach is the problem that I have, right? And it's a problem that I had then, and um, I've got greater, de- I got a different degree of the same problem. But largely, what I found was that um, I was, you know, busy being a Army Joint Force Military Logistics Coordinator, which is a big mouthful. Basically, I made sure that the Air Force and Army were talking to each other and got their stuff and soldiers where they needed to go. Um, So I was doing that at the same time that I was completing my PhD in philosophy. I'm still working on that. So I have a master's now, but um, I'm ABD on when it comes to the philosophy side of things. And what I looked at was like, wow, I've got a lot of things going on. And I've got these two disparate lives, it seems like. And um, what I noticed was that it was super easy for me to get stuff done on the military side of things involving large amounts of people and large amounts of, you know, equipment and all sorts of things going all over the place. But I was struggling with my own creative knowledge work. Like that 5,000 word paper was stymieing me. And I was like, this does not make sense to me. Why, why is this so much harder for me to do? So I did like any good scholar and any good uh, military officer does. I started reading to figure out what other people were doing. Mm -hmm. And I found that I was having to translate so much of it into a way that combines sort of that analytical, sequential way of being with that sort of creative way of being and throwing in some stuff from philosophy and, and the military to make it into something new that I was like, you know, um, I'm going to do what any good millennial will do and I'll start a blog about this. <laughs> and that's what led me down this road. And I, it's been growing in, in many magical ways since 2006, 2007 when it started. Well, I, I'm always amazed by you because you bring in these different perspectives, and I love to do that in my work too, right and left brain. If you, when you can bring the two together, it's so powerful. So you've, on the one hand, you've been an arming logistics coordinator, and on the other hand, there's this PhD in philosophy, and and you're a very creative guy. So how do those how do those two feel when they mesh together? Is that something that comes naturally, or do you have to work at it? 
It's a bit of both. I mean, sometimes you find just those grooves to where both parts are playing, uh, playing in harmony. Um, and then there are other times where I know I'm approaching, I'm approaching the problem from one side or the other. And so I'm like, oh, I'm not integrating this other piece. Now, um, when it comes to my speeches and my writing, like I know that my work is done when they've all pulled together in harmony. I mean, I like to say I'm, you can imagine that, you know, I'm, it's combining a entrepreneur, it's combining a um, army officer, and it's combining a philosopher all into one person. And it's hard to get those three Venn diagrams to overlay in just the right way. Um, right. And sometimes I clearly show up one way and sometimes I show up another. And that's challenging from a brand perspective. That's challenging from a creative perspective. But it's also, I think, just representative of who we are in life. And we don't always show up with the same energy, with the same way of thinking, um, you know, in, in that moment. But when you look over time, you see trends. You see the best work that pops up that does that. You see the way that people understand that it, that it does. But you just, I don't know. It's really strange because in the moment, I have to let a lot of those um, – I have to let a lot of that expectation that all three are going to show up in the right ways go and just speak and, and figure out it and figure it out as I go along. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's a really great way of putting it. And I, um, I was interested when you said that it, it's challenging from a brand perspective. Can you talk a little bit about that? How does that look from the outside if it's if that's not happening? Well, a lot of people find that when they meet me that I'm warmer and funnier than they expected, right? right, right. Um, I, don't, I don't consider myself a, a comedian or anything like that. But um, part of it is that in writing, especially writing, um, that's such an analytical, such a very logical way of showing up that that sort of taps into that and pulls that out of the, out of alignment in a lot of ways, right? Mm. It's one of the reasons I actually do have a podcast, Ursula, because it allows that <laughs> to show up in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, and so from a brand perspective, like it, what I found is that each person sort of takes what they need from their interactions with me. And so if they are um, – um, I'm going to say this in just a social observation way. I'm not a gender essentialist, but if they are a hyper creative female entrepreneur, they'll actually cling to that sort of military officer philosopher side of things, right? Um, if they are very hyper logical and hyper analytical, they'll cling to the more creative parts of me because it's really, they see, um, just like the rest of us do, I think we project our deficiencies onto other people. Well, and I, I kind of think of it as projecting our potential because I think everybody's got those elements in them and yeah. they, they see it in somebody else and they go, yeah, I want that. How do I get that? I think that's true, right? And I mean, that gap between where the deficiency is such a hard word, right? It's such a, it's such a nasty word, but that, that gap between where we are and how we or what we see we can be in the world is just that gap and i think you're we're absolutely saying the same thing we project that gap onto other people yeah um and say they've got that thing that they've got that way of being in the world or they got that skill or they've got that accomplishment that i don't have mm -hmm. um or that i want to have or they're a better version of me or something like that but that gap that gap between who we are and who we can be is it's such a fascinating thing for me, Ursula, is that nexus that I spend most of my time in. Yeah, and we're always kind of chasing that and trying to close the gap and finding ways to, you know, that's what all learning is about. It's all, what all, um, at least in my experience, it's it's so much what we're moving towards, even though, you know, there's these hard concrete goals that we we say are the reasons we're moving forward. But I think that gap kind of calls to us as well. 
It does. And I think that's where a lot of our both suffering and triumph comes from because we live in this strange world of um, whether we want to talk about it in, in sort of um, new, fixes, new physics way of being. Like we live in this particle slash wave world, right? It depends mm-hmm. upon how we look at things. It's either a particle or a wave. For instance, um, we could look at time um, sequentially the way that most people do. Like there's past and there's a future, right? And there's just sort of this left to right line if you're in Western, Western culture of the way we see things. But we can also change our view and see that time is circular, right? The seasons and the and our energetic um, cycles and things like that. So we live in both actually at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on the, in one perspective, um, there is that past and future, unless we want to go metaphysical and neither the past and the future actually exist. But that we, that's not the conversation for today, right? Um, so we have both of those time frames, but we also have this being versus doing perspective, this being versus striving perspective. And we can simultaneously stop and be really grateful for who we actually are right now and the great things that are in front of us right now. Or we can flip that perspective and focus on where we're going or what we don't have, depending upon what mood you might be in that day, right? And both are simultaneously true. And I think a lot of the mindfulness practices and a lot of the ways that we see successful creative people make it in the world is that they're able to switch the view to the one that's the most nourishing and the most um, the, the one that gets them the most momentum and keeps them driving forward. And where I think when people get stuck, they choose the perspective that keeps them stuck. Hmm. Yeah, like, um, yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at it. I'd never thought about it in those terms. Well, is that really, do you feel that that's the area where you have the most impact with your clients, that you're helping them recognize that and move out of being stuck or find ways to tap into different perspectives to move forward to achieve what they want to achieve? I think that's one of the ways, right? It's really hard. Again, different clients take different things. But most of the work that I do as a um, coach and consultant is actually in strategy execution, which is this, I mean, when we think of strategy, a lot of times think of the plans. Mm -hmm. And when you think about just getting stuff done, sometimes getting stuff done is divorced from the actual vision and strategy of your business, right? So strategy execution is that nexus on a business and team perspective, right? It is that combination of thinking about where we're going, but being really grounded in where we are. And um, so, yes, I do a lot of that work there. And so when I'm working with larger organizations, it can sometimes be harder to go to this sort of soft side thing, right, where you're talking about your heartscape and your mindscape and things like that, because, you know, we've got suits and ties on and all sorts of things like that. But, when, you know, when I'm working with, say, executives individually um, with executive coaching it comes up a lot. And when I'm working with entrepreneurs, it definitely comes up a lot because you can't um, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, Ursula, you can't be a business coach. And just divorce that from the life coaching aspect of things. Because yeah. to be an entrepreneur, you have to be able to get transformation on both sides of things. Because yeah. most of our business challenges are actually personal challenges. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that's how that comes up. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. They're so integrated. You just cannot separate the two. It's really, that's one of the things I find so amazing about being an entrepreneur. And I've done it for 20 years now. And I, I keep being excited by it because it's a forum for personal growth as much as it is business growth. And the two are, are so deeply interconnected. You can't really grow your business without growing yourself, which is an exciting, exciting and often challenging place to be. So. Absolutely. And 
So a lot of entrepreneurs will start their business because they hated their previous job, right? right? Mm-hmm. They hated working for someone else. And there's a, there's a lot of sort of that away from motivation. I actually didn't start from there. Like I was, you know, I wasn't in a perfect place when it comes to either academia or the military, but I was excelling in both, right? Um, but what I found is this life that I'm currently living is the best way to show up full contact, right? Um, because in those other places, there are parts of myself that I had to dial down substantially, right? Parts of parts of my my way of being in the world that I really couldn't be in the world in a way. And so uh, this is the best available alternative for me. And, you know, I've, I've told other people when this is no longer the best available alternative, I'll do something else. Right. Um, And I think that's the name of the game. You build the best possibility that you can today, knowing full well that tomorrow you might wake up and have manifested that or just some other brand new thing that you couldn't even have dreamed of. And that's where you seize into that new opportunity. Yeah. And being open to those possibilities of something shifting in a major way is a really great way to be on an ongoing basis. So, yeah, one of the things that... um, I've been asking people about in this on this topic on impact, making a positive contribution, being a, a agent of change in the world, that people's values so much play into that. Whatever it is that you deeply value, deeply um, care about is what causes you to take the action that you do, whether it's consciously or unconsciously. So I've been asking people in these interviews about you know, what are your values and how have you brought those into your business? Yeah. So one of the ways that I um, live my life in my best moments, and to be clear, we're not always at our best moments, but in my best moments, um, one question that drives what I'm doing is what is the most abundant possibility that I can create with what I have right now? And when we, I think in terms of abundant possibilities, they never are just ones that I can create for myself. Right. Um, because I, I believe that if your primary drive is about um, self-fulfillment or self-aggregation, you know, like pulling everything towards yourself, um, even when you're really successful at that, it's not the most abundant possibility that you can build. Because the sharing of that joy, the, the ways that we can work together as teams and as individuals and the ways that we can get behind causes will always exceed any personal mission or any personal drive that you might have. Um, and so whether you want to think about it from the frame of much more altruistic, like serving the world and, and you know, not being – not including yourself or whether you want to look at it from the other end and say, you know what, the best way that I can make my, to improve my station in the world is to take care of other people. You end up with the same sort of, you know, the equal signs on the right side are the same, right? Or, you know, what, what you end up on the same is, is that, um, living your, um, life and spending your days in service of and in contribution to, and in collaboration with other people is always going to make um, the world more abundant for you and those around you. Yeah, I completely agree. <clears throat> is is that something that you have always felt, or is that something that's kind of evolved over time for you? I think it's one of those things that I believed it, but I didn't experience it in different ways, given my upbringing. But the more, the older that I get, I'm 36 now. Right. The older that I get, the more that I experience that in my bones. And I just know it to be true in that way. Right. It's, it sounds like 
one of those things, like you pick up a personal development book and somebody's like, oh, you know, if you live your life in service of others then you'll always be happy and things like that. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great. But when you actually experience it, um, I think it's quite different. And, and most of the times when I find myself um, unsettled or feeling down or frustrated or not where I want to be, it's like one of those things where I can always ask, how have I shown up for other people mm-hmm. that has led me to be here? And it almost always is a reflect, like my positive or negative state is almost always a reflection of the ways I've been in communion with other people. Mm. In what um, way? Well, when I when I go more to the Charlie focus side of things, um, that tends to lead to um, not ideal outcomes. Like I'll, I'll either be bored or I'll be lonely or sales will drop or um, I'm not getting momentum in my projects or I'm just not happy with what I'm doing in the world. Hmm. When I go to much more sort of world focused, then those things kind of take care of themselves, right? And in a business concept, in a business context, a lot of times we're so focused on the outcomes you know, um, without realizing that those outcomes are lagging indicators and not to go super jargony here, but you have lead indicators and you have lagging indicators and revenue is always a lagging indicator. Revenue happens because you did something else, right? Yeah. Revenue happens like, you know, whatever your KPIs are for your business, those happen because you do, you did something else. So there's a way in which if you just focus on those something else things, the things that just generate the outcomes, you don't have to worry about the outcomes. Right. If you are stuck in sort of not stuck in, if you stay in a good, um, always be connecting um, flow where you're doing it from integrity and service and things like that, it turns out you really don't have sales problems. Right. If you if you are, um, you know, on the content marketing side, if you're continually staying in the flow of your writing and, and talking about your expertise and sharing that with people who have questions and really coming from a place of service, it turns out that you don't have to worry about your stats. They take care of themselves, right? Um, and I think that's a, such an important thing that we get stuck into. And, it, you know, that's that ties to a lot of things that I will work with companies on. It's like, okay, I know, you know, that um, for any given business, um, the, their, their metrics are not where they want them to be. There's always better sales. There's always blah, 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 whatever. So instead of focusing so much, like we can define those targets and where we want to be, but then we just sort of let them float and say, okay, what do we do to get there? What are the, what are the, um, specific actions that we take that generate that result? And then we'll go through that list. And then the second question is, well, what do we need to shift in our business so that we focus on those activities? And once we start making those things happen, what do we need to shift? How is that happening? So on and so forth. It turns out that we can let those goals float. And when we look at them at some point in the future, we noticed shockingly that <laughs> trends are going the way that we want them to go, but we haven't ever focused on that specific goal. Right. Yeah. I think that's a really wonderful explanation and it really takes some of the pressure off now because marketing's beca- marketing has become so metrics focused that I agree. I think people lose sight of what the point was in the first place because they're so worried about what the numbers are and tracking them. And it it feels overwhelming for people, and especially for solopreneurs or small business entrepreneurs. The whole thing starts to feel like a really heavy weight that they have to carry. Absolutely. And and most of that weight is weight that they picked up because someone else told them they should. Right. Right. And when you drop a lot of that, so that's what I'll say, right? One of the most destructive languages or destructive words we have in our self-talk is should. 
Because should never really follows anything that we want to do, right? Like, right. you know, Ursula, I'm like, I we don't use the words like, Ursula, you should eat ice cream. <laughs> right? Notice that positive things never follow that, right? <laughs> and so um, I think if we remove that should language and stop shooting on ourselves, then it opens up the possibility for us to say, you know what? Where is the joy in the work that I do? Where is that sense of alignment between what um, I provide and what what contributes to other people. Um, where where do I find flow? And you know we can go through a bunch of different questions like that. But when you can tap into that source, I think it's way different than waking up on a Monday morning and be like, oh man, I gotta feed the blogging beast, or you know I've got to record another podcast. Oh woe is me, right? <laughs> um, I should do these types of things. When it's like you know I think if we approach, um, well, it, it's it's. You know, I'll say this when I'm teaching about productivity. Like, we don't need a productivity system to eat ice cream. Right. We just don't, right? We need <laughs> account. We don't need accountability to eat ice cream, right? We don't, right? We only need systems and accountability for things that we really don't want to do in a way, right? Yeah. And so if you start looking at it from the other perspective of what is the most effective or the simplest economic container that allows me to do the work that I'm best at, that I enjoy doing, and that serves other people, you turn out that you don't need that many labyrinthine productivity systems and accountability buddies and things like that, right? Just for the same reason that we don't really need an accountability system for eating ice cream. Well, and it's such a great way to put how you could go about developing a business model. So instead of adopting the, you know, do these 10 steps and you'll make six figures in six weeks or the many things floating around out there that draw people because they they want some kind of framework or guidance. But in fact, the, the kind of business model that you can come up with is how can you put your most impactful, if I put it in the terminology of impact, impactful activities together in a way and it's, and as you put it, in a simplest form, that's an ideal business model because the amount of energy required to do that, it it just automatically comes down because you're doing something you really love to do and you're engaged by it in the flow. Am I capturing the essence of what you're saying too? We're kind of putting together my ideas with yours. but Absolutely. I mean, I, I know that I've been doing this long enough and I've been blessed enough to, to come up with enough success to be able to say this, but there are so many ways to make money in this world, yeah. right? And if I were really going for fast money, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, there are many other jobs that I could be doing where I would earn three to five times as much as I'm earning now. Um, but the question become, would I enjoy my life in the process? Mm-hmm. Would I be able to, in the process of things, live my values and show up and do the things that matter most to me? And I'm not so sure that I could because when I talk to the people who are doing those jobs, most of the time they say, well, I wish that I had more time to spend with my family. I wish I had more time to focus on my hobbies. I wish I had more time for travel. I wish I had more time to play music. And I'm like, well, I've kind of got that already. Right? <laughs> I don't need to spend another 20 years to get to where I am today right? When right. I can, bi- when I can build things more slowly and, and granted, we have a very good life, um, emotionally, socially, mentally, and also financially. Right. Um, but it would my life be that much better given the other containers? Um, if I made three to five times as much, it's absolutely not clear. Mm. Um, and so that's, 
I mean, so I want to pause here and, and I have to tell every new client this. I am a business strategist, I am a business coach, and I'm a business consultant, which means part of our work together means I am here to make you more money. That's what. That's why you pay me. Let's be very clear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it still turns out that there is absolutely nothing wrong with making money and that that's one of the better things that we can do because more money means that more money that we can do to fund the things that matter most to us, which could be like right. giving it away. And so like I don't care what you do with the money. But I know that coming from a place where you're earning a healthy amount that you can do those different types of things and fund your kids' education and donate to nonprofits and not have to worry about money, like that, it turns out, is a more ideal way of living for a lot of people. Um, and again, different people have different different values. But I will say that, um, for instance, for me, Ursula, like I don't have a wealth value. Like I don't really want to be rich, but I have a poverty anti-value, which means I don't want to be poor. Right. (laughs) Um, and I think a lot of people are actually like that. Right. Um, so I I would prefer my life to be rich and abundant in non-financial ways Mm -hmm. at the same without compromising my financial integrity. Well, and and since we're talking about abundance in all its realms and all of our lives is, are there ways that you, take care of yourself that allows you to have the impact that you have, to have the energy to do the work that you do. I I think sometimes when people are so engaged with their work and they're passionate about it, they love what they do, it can get to the point where we're working a lot and it's not always a a positive thing. So can you speak a bit to that? What's your experience with that and what do you do to maintain your, your level of energy and health? Well, the first thing I'll say there is our bodies are more than head transportation vehicles, right? <laughs> and I say that because so many people treat their body that way. Like, ah, if only I didn't have to eat and exercise and do all these other bodily functions, then I could focus more time on things that I care about. Right. Um, but what I would want to say is that there's your body has a lot of intelligence and not just mental intelligence, but just a lot of intuition. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of power and it's more than just a head transportation vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. We get so focused, especially on this cerebral work, whether it's writing or whether it's whatever that is, right? I, that's my thing, writing and, and talking apparently. Um, <laughs> but other people's it's design or programming or whatever your thing is. Um, it's probably not physical, unless you're a physical trainer or you're, you know, pro athlete or something like that. Um, so to answer your question, one, I think eating right and sleeping well, um, and exercising are just the triads that make us thrive. And, um, my good friend, um, and mastermind buddy, Jonathan Field has recently written a book called how to live a good life. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he has, he has it written, broken out into three different buckets. So he's got the vitality bucket, the contribution bucket and the connection bucket. And, um, you know, I was talking to him, I think it was last week on, on my podcast. And I asked him a very, I, not a similar question, but I asked which one of those buckets do you think people have the most troubles with? And he mentioned the vitality bucket. Cause that's been my experience as well. That's the same thing that you mentioned there. Um, so how do I do that? Um, I have, I figured out Ursula because I'm <laughs> such, I'm such a pack animal that, um, trying to work out and exercise by myself is a bridge to nowhere. 
And a buddy of mine, Corey Huff um, from The Abundant Artist, you know, we were talking and he has similar goals that I had. You know, he's trying to lose a little weight and he's trying to get stronger. And I'm like, I'm trying to lose a little weight and get stronger. We both live in Portland. We both enjoy hanging out. I'm like, so how about we do it together? And it's, <laughs> it's been amazing. Like we're, we're achieving our goals without trying because it's just like, hey, man, I, I get to hang out with Corey for an hour, you know, a couple times a week. Right. And it turns out that we've got a workout streak and it turns out that we're both getting stronger and losing weight without it being a thing. Right. Um, and well, so what an amazing way to maintain that connection too, because you're doing something that you're both committed to and it's regular. And, you know, one of the things that can fall away too, as we're working on things is that your connections with other people. So what a great way to deal with that with Corey. Yeah. And if I miss a workout, I feel like I let him down, even right. though like, you know, he can still work out and do his thing. For instance, I was at a team retreat last week and I wasn't able to go to the gym with him. And I, though I did a few things, it wasn't a proper workout in a way that I really feel it should be. And I was like, man, I let him down, right? Because we had a streak going and it's, it's super weird. I let myself down, right, in a way. But I'm able to to be in that relationship and that's super important. Um, another thing that I do, Ursula, is that um, – I don't have meetings most mornings unless it's absolutely urgent before 11 o'clock in the morning um, because that's my creative time. That's the time that I do my best work. That's the time where, honestly, I need to do the things that fuel me so that after that point, I could be 100% available for whoever and whatever shows up later. Um, and so, you know, especially when you're in a service-based business, a lot of times it can feel like, you're at odds sometimes with your service, right? Because it's like you've got all these other things you want to do, but then you have client meetings, you have all these other sort of things, even when you enjoy those things. Like I love coaching. I love the work that I do. Yeah. But I know that if I don't do my um, spiritual work in the morning and if I don't do my creative work in the morning, that I'm going to go into those meetings and I'm going to be um, not my best version of human. And it's not my client's fault. It's nobody's fault except for I haven't done my business so I can't be present for other people's business. Uh, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say that, I mean, they're all, everything's so interconnected. I mean, looking after yourself and therefore your ability to, to be of service, to contribute, and even to collaborate is compromised if you're not looking after that part of things too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important because um, – I've, I've used a lot of ice cream metaphors today, which apparently <laughs> means something, but too much ice cream it's, is a bad thing. It's speaking yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. Too much ice cream is a bad thing. And I know there are people shaking their head right now, like, what the hell is he talking about? But what I mean by too much ice cream is a bad thing is even those things you love can be taken into excess right. and they're not, they become unhealthy for you. And so even when you love your art, whether the arts, whatever creative work you do or the service that you do or the leadership or whatever it is, just all lumping that under your art. Too much of that can push you um, out of alignment and it can push you into a depletion zone. Mm -hmm. And what I've experienced is we are hypersensitive to burnout when we're doing stuff we don't want to do, but we are very insensitive to burnout when we're doing the thing we love to do. Mm -hmm. And just because you might be enjoying the hot water that you're sitting in, you know, like the frog you might be enjoying the hot water. doesn't mean that the water's not hot. Right. Um, and at a certain point, it, it gets to be too much. And so I, I think we experience that when people all of a sudden wake up and they're like, oh, man, I don't understand. Like I'm in a rut or I feel like I just need to get away or, you know, something weird, hap weird and normal happens in their business and they freak out about it for like three or four days. And it's like, you know, um, maybe there's not a problem in your business. 
maybe the problem is you're too much in your business mm-hmm. and you know, it might be time to step out for a little bit. Um, it, you know, don't blow your business up, go to Disney world, um, <laughs> or, you know, go on a vacation or get out for a little bit and come back with fresh eyes. Um, right. and I, I think the other thing that, that will help people do is when you actually get out in the world and, and trust me, um, I spend most of my time in my, in my business, though I've got a, t- a team of like six people now and we're remote and things like that. I work as if I'm a home-based business. Um, it's not true, but I, we, we all work that way. And I love it. But every time I get out and, you know, I go downtown Portland or I'm hanging out with other people, I realize so many different points of contrast about the ways that my life is right for me that I would miss if I'm just sitting in my office. I'm just thinking of things like a commute, like just sitting there at a coffee shop and watching people get on and off the bus or, you know, run for their cars and do traffic surge and everything like that, that I don't deal with most days. Not if I'm just sitting here in my office and I don't see that, then it's really easy to be frustrated about small things, right? Really easy to be frustrated because, you know, it took me three minutes longer to get this you know, stupid file to upload. Right. <laughs> right. But I'm like, in the grand scheme of things, I I'm fussy about three minutes spent uploading something when there are people stuck in traffic for 30 minutes for no apparent reason. Yeah. You know, so it gives you some perspective. It gives perspective. Yeah. Um, I was talking to a friend recently who was, um, who was going through some things and he was like, Charlie, like, so when things get rough, like how, what, how do you keep your cool? How do you keep your calm? He's like, cause I've never really seen you rattled. And I told him, I was like, man, so here's the thing. Nobody's shooting at me. Yeah. Um, and having been through a combat zone, I'm like, I'm, what is ha- what's the worst that's happening to me today? Um, I'm not getting my way about something. Um, I'm inconvenienced, but, you know, my house is not burning down. No one's shooting at me. Uh, my family is healthy. Uh, my friends are in good places. It, at the, you know, um, though they are first world problems and thus real problems, there are worse problems to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, yeah, I was talking with someone earlier today whose uh, whose work is uh, not not popular in some realms, and uh, that person's uh, experiencing some threats and things like that that uh, I have not had to deal with on a on a, in my work. So it just kind of uh, really puts things into perspective when people are are dealing with that and and other things in their personal lives for sure. Are are there things that um I mean the the aspects of what you do, you've talked about a number of things like service, contribution and collaboration. Th- that focus that you have, do you think that's impacting the larger world in any way or i mean what are your thoughts on on the kind of work that you do and and how it's impacting things in a larger sphere i think it is um because there are several ways one is because the way that my clients end up modeling that behavior mm-hmm. and and thus the ripples are wider through working with them like i figured out um and i i have to attribute seth godin for this one and i don't know exactly where he said it or, or how i how i plucked this from his brain but, you know, when I first started my business, I wanted to do all the things, right? Um, if I had an idea, I was like, oh, that's mine. I'm going to do something with it, right? But I realized at a certain point that my job is actually to find the person who that idea is for. And not every idea is for me, right? There are a lot that are not. But I have um, – I'm, I'm blessed to have a big enough community of people that are going to be like, oh, that's Ursula's thing. 
I'm going to go give that to Ursula because who knows? You might be sitting there, Ursula, like, oh, what am I going to do today? And then all of a sudden there's like, hey, this thing I found for you here. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're like, oh, that's amazing. I was looking for that thing. <laughs> um, and what it also does is it um, in a very real way lets me off the hook as a creative person from trying to do every damn thing that pops in my head. Right. Right. I'm like, that's not my thing. That's that's Ursula's thing. or that's Rachel's thing. or that's Pam's thing or that's Jonathan's thing. Um, what's my thing? <laughs> um, and so I, I do think that the ripples of that, um, are greater because it's providing, um, inspiration for people. And it's also, um, what I've learned about that perspective. And I've been doing this for a while is that when I show up on somebody's door randomly with an idea and I'm like, this is your thing. It reminds them that they are unique and have a way of being in the world and that they're more a lot of times are more capable than they give themselves credit for. Right. Um, when, when people remember you and think of you and hand you a thing, um, it, it's, it's an incredible gift, um, to be seen, but also to be acknowledged for the greatness that you have inside of you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that, I think from a, from a sort of general readership perspective, like people who aren't my clients, one of the things I really do try to model is, this idea that doing it together is always better um, and breaking down sort of the um, the chronic isolation that we have, which is odd because we have the most connective technology that we've ever had. Right. But yet a lot of times we feel more isolated, but breaking that down and saying, Ursula, like I need to hook you up with Rick because Rick has got this other project that you might be able to help him with. And all of a sudden that starts to take off and creates its own magic. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really important. And I, I think the thing that I end up telling people that is the, the biggest challenge for them, but the one that makes the biggest difference is about understanding that inviting other people's in other people's into your journey and asking for help is not a deficiency. It's not something that you should be ashamed of, but something that you should celebrate. Right. Yeah, I mean, you, you really put another dimension into um, connection, and it's not—it's not just about you know meeting people and you know that old networking model, and it's about how can you help stimulate something in someone else for someone else, or bring something to them that they wouldn't otherwise have had access to. Yeah, I think a better question for anyone thinking about the whole networking prospect. Is I mean, a lot of times that's coming from a very let's be focused. I mean, let's be clear, a very self-focused perspective. It's going. Yeah. I'm going to go do this, and it's going to be to get me something. I think if you flip the question and say, how can I be curious about the people that I'm going to meet, and how can I find a way to help them or connect them with someone that I think may improve what or may help them with what they're trying to do, it changes the game for networking, right? Um, because all of a sudden, if you are able to say, like, how can I be curious about people and you find ways to be curious and you find ways to be helpful, you leave the event, whatever that is, and you've accomplished what you've been out to what you've set out to do. Right. Whereas if you leave the event with what can I get? I don't know. That's all up in the air. Like there's, you know, but if you could leave knowing that, but it ter- still turns out and this is um this is an old Carnegieism, Right. But it turns out if you're fundamentally interested in other people they find you fundamentally fundamentally interesting. Yep. 
right? Yeah. And so the, it, it's, uh, you know, I was thinking, I was sending an email to someone earlier who asked me this, um, like he, he wanted some improvement for his social skills. And I was like, you know, be less focused on being interesting and more focused on finding other people's inter- other people interesting. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, um, a lot of the problems that we're talking about will make will take care of themselves. You know, have something interesting to talk about that's not about you know events or the weather or other people. Right. Um, and find ways to be interesting, interested, and curious and helpful for other people. And you'll find shockingly that other people are interested in being helpful. Other people are interested in you <laughs> and other people are interested in, in, in being in connection with you. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's having that kind of focus on what can you help? How can you help other people? How can you serve them in some way? That's uh, that's a really empowering approach. It's way more interesting than trying to figure out, well, what is, how am I checking off my list of stuff I want to get quote unquote from this interaction? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing about it is, and I, I learned this through experience is one of those things I learned, but the ways in which other people can contribute to your life and success are way beyond your ilk and way beyond your ability to fathom it. Mm-hmm. So if I come in and I say, here's what I want from Ursula, right? Ursula may or may not be able to provide that thing, right? But the odds are that you have some other thing that I would have never dreamed that you've had. It could be a connection. It could be an idea. It could be something else. You have some bit of magic that – um, if I'm curious about will manifest, but if I'm not won't. Um, and so that's the other thing about it is like, it's not only more interesting, it's way more powerful because other people, I mean, here's the thing. Um, I had this realization about seven years ago, um, maybe, maybe six years ago. It doesn't matter. A long time ago, relatively. I was like, how would I treat people differently? If I believed that every person that I talked to was a superhero, whether or not they, I actually saw that or not, right? What, how would I treat the world different if everyone I saw was a rising star? How would, I tre- how would the world change for me if I really looked at everybody else and believed that they had just as much potential or actuality as I have, mm-hmm. right? It fundamentally changes things. It, it just does because those conversations that you have with people, um, it, it's just – I know it sounds tautologous to say that it's different, but it really is. It's, it's a it's a change in kind in the way that you will interact with people. Well, and it's it's an incredible shift because often we can get kind of worn down in an interaction sometimes by judgment and and you know disagreement or whatever. Whereas if you're looking at it from the perspective of this person is kind of a light in the world, and how can I? How can I find ways to see that? And that becomes the nature of the conversation too. Yeah. I mean, the thing here is it's easy. Hmm, what do I want to say here? There's a counterbalance thing that I, that I almost have to do where I say, you know, just because you're showing up in the world that way doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. Owning your boundaries about when you can be a, a, a giver and about when you can be a servant to other people is really important. And if you just don't have it that day, that's okay, right? You don't have to do this all the time. You don't have to live 24-7. And I understand there's this whole range of introversion and extroversion. A lot of people think I'm extroverted. I'm actually much more in the middle around ambiversion, right? Um, but it's not that you have to do this all the time. Like you can be withdrawn. 
Um, you can take care of yourself without, you know, overstretching and always serving other people. But the point is when you are in those places to where you're trying to be social or you're trying to extrovert or you're trying to be with other people, that's the time to switch the perspective. That's the time to really see what love, magic, and abundance is available that you may not see if you don't pay attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way. That's a great way of looking at that. I'm just going to shift things a little bit at this point and ask you, um, I mean, I, it's tempting to think about looking at successful people and you look at them and you go, well, they haven't really gone through any major issues or problems or obstacles. And I think that's something that's really valuable to hear about because of course we all have gone through things that have challenged us. Could you think of an example of uh, an obstacle or problem that you've worked through and how you did that? Uh, yeah, we were just, you know, I was just at the team retreat and, and we have a new team member and I was like, oh yeah, she doesn't know all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of have to explain it. So um, in 2010, my wife nearly died. And, um, you know, I'll make a long story short, but she, her body was shutting down as I was driving her to the hospital. Um, and we both knew it. Um, now she managed to come out okay, but that caused PTSD and a lot of really bad mental health issues. Um, they really took her out of the game for about a year where it was, um, I lost my wife in a way. Um, and a year into that, we were in a car accident together (laughs) and that took us both out of the game in different ways, right? A lot of pain, um, a lot of inability to focus during that period of time. Um, I wasn't able really to sit down for longer than 20 or 25 minutes. Um, and that, that lasted for about five or six months. So, Obviously, as a writer and as a creator, if you can't sit down and you, I, I wasn't able to stand up longer than I do, so I always had to be moving and shifting or, or um, the pain let me know that it was time to do so. And so um, between all of that, from a, from a period of about 2010, or was it 11? It doesn't matter. Details aren't that important. But um, until really August of 15th or so, when, when most of the car accident had was behind us and we cleared up that – we were in different um, different degrees of inaction, either due to mental health or due to pain or due to um, just fatigue from, from recovery and things like that. Um, and so what that really taught me, one, was a lot of humility because I though I have been um, intensely sick or in pain before because of, you know, breaking bones or other things like that, I'd never been chronically or long-term out of the game in that way. Um, and there was a lot of lifestyle and business redesign that had to happen um, to make it to make it work. And so going from a guy that um, on any given day, especially if I'm in a workshop or something like that, I can get up at 8 in the morning, or actually I get up earlier, but I'm on at 8, and, you know, it's 10, 30, or 11 o'clock, and I'm still going at night, um, to being able to work for 25 minutes, um, it was a huge blow, It's huge, um, sort of recognition of my limitations and a huge, um, recognition that I had to focus on the essentials. And, um, so a lot of times because people don't know that we, we had a lawyer that advised us not to talk about it on social media, which is another challenge when you have a, a business that's very, uh, very much poised on social media and you've got a blog and you've got all those types of things and you can't talk about that, <laughs> 
is very challenging. Um, and so I had people come and they'll be like, well, you know, I've got chronic fatigue or, you know, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain right now. So you just don't get it, Charlie. Hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry that you're going through that. And I'm sorry that it's a long-term thing, but I get it. I totally get it. Um, the good news, well, hmm. the thing that I learned about that is that recovery comes in waves. Recovery comes in waves. And what I mean by that is whatever the crisis is, you'll recover from it. But then there's the second and third wave. And then I don't know, you know exactly what happens in each, but I'm currently at the wave where I'm having to get really um, clear. I'm having to do a lot of reflection on the, on the lost time. And to not see and not think of it as lost time, to think of it as as um, time in which I was thinking about other things, because it's true, right? Again, it's that that particle wave thing. I could think about it as lost time. I lost, you know, four years of my life. Um, I I should be four years ahead of where I am. I think I'm hearing you typing. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm I should be four years ahead of where I am, so on and so forth. Versus. Um, you know, um, that period of time was a lesson that I needed to learn. During that period of time, I went fallow with a lot of ideas that are going to burst up through the through the soil um, when they're ready, so on and so forth. So I'm currently at that at that level of recovery where I'm, I'm just coming to grips with I'm not behind. Um, my life didn't go off the rails. Um, it is what it is. There's bad parts of it, but there are also good parts. What are those good parts and, and how do those good parts drive me forward today when I'm not in that situation? Well, and I remember um, reading about it when your wife started talking about it on social media and she, um, I mean, it's, it's such a, it's been such a huge part of both your lives. I mean, this process of recovery and, and working through some things around that and dealing with, restriction and, and, uh, not being able to do everything you can do. And it's a, it's a, it's a huge deal. I mean, it's a huge experience to have gone through. Is, is there something that you would, um, some advice that you'd share with another business owner or, um, insight that you have from that experience and, and from other experiences that, um, that you can share in terms of, uh, well, how can I, how can how can somebody else have the impact they want to have? How can they positively affect their environment? Is there something you'd share with them as uh, in moving forward and moving through their own obstacles and challenges? Yeah, I, I think the first thing there is just to acknowledge that if you're going through a hard part and it sucks, like, yeah, it just sucks. It does, right? Um, we don't have to make it anything other than what it is. You can be mad, you can be frustrated, you can be sad, you can be annoyed. Whatever you're feeling, like those are true too. And the reason I want to start there is because it's so easy to be in one of those situations and everyone wants you to feel better or they're, they're trying to bright side everything when really um, you got you to gotta get to the point to where you're, you're just accepting that it sucks and other people – you know, can help out, I think, by understanding that. Um, so I wanted to start there. The second thing that I would say is, um, yes, it sucks. Um, yes, there may be some lesson down the road that, that, that you, that you glean from that. 
but it's a period of focusing on what's most important and going back to your values and your priorities and understanding that your reach will always exceed your grasp, even when you're healthy, or even when you're not in crisis. And that's just the state of being. And that's what it means to be a creative human. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that in this period of time, your limitations and your capabilities are such that um, you just have to focus for this period of time. And what I have found is that it's an incredible period of um, – it's an incredibly valuable period if you accept what's in front of you because it helps you trim all of the detritus. It helps you trim all of the bloat and waste that kind of accrues because businesses accrue chaos and complexity and problems, right? They don't get rid of them by themselves. And so the period of time, that period of time is just a good period of time to, to get out that, that surgery scalpel and just start cutting that away. And you might find that as you start cutting that away, that gap between your capacity and what you actually should be focused on gets pretty small. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, um, I, I was so struck by what you just said about businesses accruing chaos and complexity because it's so true and it, it really pays to kind of periodically even revisit that even if something particular doesn't happen as a way to kind of clear out the, 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 what can become quite confusing and a, a kind of a heavy weight to carry moving forward. Absolutely. I mean, so much of what I do with my clients is figuring out what we're not going to do, who we're not going to serve, what plans we're not going to, we're not going to achieve, what goals we're not going to do this year. Right. And so it's very funny um, sometimes because people will approach me and they're, they're like, I want to do more on the productivity side, or I want to, you know, have better results or I want to, I want to get more done in my business. But after a while of working with them, they realize that they're doing far fewer things, but getting um, much greater results on those. Right. And, and so um, it's just one of those things. Strategy at its essence is um, learning to say no and figuring out what you're not going to do. And strategy execution is thus the continual practice of reviewing what you're doing and saying, you know what, what can we let go or what's not serving us or um, – you know, which segment of our customers are the ones that we need to um, be grateful for, but also let go of. Yeah, that is so true. Um, and I, you know, I th want to thank you so much for all the things that you've raised today. I, I, I have so enjoyed hearing about your own focus on service and contribution and collaboration and the very thoughtful way that you go about looking at strategy, not just as a, a theoretical or idea approach, but also linking that so closely with execution. And, um, and I, you know, I, I really appreciate you sharing the story of um, what you've personally gone through and, and how that's affected your business and how it's uh, caused you to really focus on things you value and what your priorities are. So um, yeah, thank you so much for being here today, Charlie. Really appreciate it. It was fun, and thanks for the invite. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? So the best place to check out uh, my body of work is ProductiveFlourishing.com. Um, and if you want to reach me, you can do so at Charlie at ProductiveFlourishing.com. 
Great. Well, thank you for the work you do in the world, Charlie. I know you affect so many people in a positive way and uh, have had a, a huge impact in the work that you're doing and I think will continue to do. So thank you for that. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks. You too. So everyone join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher radio. So you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. And until next time to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.